Hello, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. In today's episode, I virtually sit down with Dr. Crystal Jones. Dr. Jones and I discuss the importance of understanding narratives around health and healthcare. We explore the impact of societal discourses on health. We discuss how, as providers, it's so important that we're able to hold space for our clients' patients' stories, but we also discuss the importance of alignment with our clients and with our healthcare providers. It's really interesting because I'm actually sick today, and this morning I had a fever and made the decision to stay home, which was really hard for me to do, but I did so that I could rest. And after resting, I started to re-listen to this episode and do a little editing. And I'm so glad I listened to it because it just reminded me of so much wisdom that Dr. Jones had to share around health, around allowing ourselves to listen to our bodies and rest when our body's calling for rest. I'm so excited to share her and her wisdom with all of you. So let's jump in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Hello, Dr. Crystal Jones. Thank you so much for taking the time to record this episode with me. You were actually just sharing how you've been, you know, setting a lot of boundaries and taking some time to reset and have a breath for yourself. So I I feel really honored that you're sharing your time with me during that breath and during that reset for yourself. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to share in space. With you, this feels like ease. This feels like the breath. And that's really what I'm getting back to is, you know, alignment and ease. So this is an honor. Oh, thank you, Crystal, so much. So I was hoping that you could share with us, you know, a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. What brings you passion? I know that when you and I had our first phone call just to kind of talk about the podcast, my first question to you was like, what do you do? And, and you had, I was like, are you, are you a chiropractor? Are you, and you had the best response um, because I just totally got hooked into that desire to like put a label on somebody because, you know, it's our brain's sort of way of like, contextualizing like i want to i want to i want to make sense of things and so we tend to want to know what the labels are and you had the best response um it was such a breath of fresh air so i wonder if you know in this context you could share with me and with us a little bit about who you are um and what you're passionate about of course um i am and i show up as Intense clarity, foundational healing, and evolutionary truth. And that shows up in many different ways. I have been in from nutrition all the way to chiropractic and Reiki and and doula work and anything in between for about 15 years. And most recently, I've realized a need or a need for the disruption, a small disruption in the space of people understanding their own power and really finding that before they're moving out to any modalities. So a lot of my work currently is 
around communication, interpersonal and intrapersonal relationships and communication within, you know, people who come into practice as a receiver and also those facilitators who are wanting to learn how to effectively hold space with, for, and through people. Um, So yeah, a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is teaching and speaking and facilitating and workshops in the yoga space, in private practice space, and all of the different spaces where a lot of practitioners have actually, you know, just become very comfortable with having all the answers. Um, And now it's time really to learn how to listen to what someone's asking for and actually meet that need. And, you know, if you can't meet that need, understand that, you know, they've crossed paths with you for you to introduce him to somebody that can meet that need. So that's really where I'm at at this moment. But always intense clarity, foundational healing and evolutionary truth is, you know, that's what I breathe. Mm, I love that. So I know that one of the things that we had chatted about and that I'm I'm super curious to hear you talk a little bit more about is the impact of narratives, right? And like the stories that we tell ourselves, especially as it relates to health and health as a whole, right? Health obviously has so many facets to it. But I'm curious to hear from you a little bit more about how you see the power of narratives, how that shows up in the work that you do. So fundamentally, I believe that your body is always going from dis-ease to ease when it's trying to you know, get your attention. The question is, how is my body moving towards ease, not necessarily what's wrong with me? And why I think that's important is because your narrative drives what your body thinks of as ease. And when I speak mm. of the narrative, I'm, I'm speaking of how your body is what your body believes ease is, what all of the experiences, um, excitements, all of the traumas, all of the toxins, all of the amazing things that your body has um, entertained, what story does your body speak at all times? And how is your body either trying to protect you from something or lean you into something? Um, all of that is based on literally the story that your body is believing and feeling and moving through. So for some people, um, different forms of dis-ease are actually showing up for the body to learn how to stop. Um, Some dis-ease is teaching the body how to move forward. Some of the, some dis-ease is teaching the body to, um, you know, maybe let go of something that's not serving them or um, trying to group all of your cells together so that, um, it can no longer affect the, you know, the muscle tissue or the bone tissue is trying to group all of the cells into a place where it's trying to exit the body. So with the understanding that, well, my understanding that the body is always moving to, to ease, I have to understand what your body really believes as ease. And so while, you know, the, you know, all of the schooling has taught me what, um, you know, the algorithm of like, you know, from here, from point A to not having point A anymore, my question is always, how is your body trying to expand right now? And um, where is that coming from? I need to understand what you believe in order to get you where you're trying to go rather than to a preset destination that, you know, I was taught. 
And I think narrative requires you to listen because I can't move forward until I know the narrative. I, I have to know where we're going um, before we can even move anywhere. Otherwise, I could be stepping in and interfering with the integrity of your healing process. I imagine that it is a very different space of sitting with clients when you come in from the perspective of being very interested in hearing the narrative of your clients and the experiences of your clients. That's a different sort of way in which you're positioning yourself with a client versus if you came in and the sort of goal was just symptom reduction, right? Um, Because symptom reduction may be very reductionistic in in the sense that like you're just sort of focusing in on well what are the symptoms um what are what are, what's like what does a textbook say about what we're going to do to treat these symptoms um without taking into consideration context and narratives and like you said the integrity of the person who's sitting in front of you yeah i when someone crosses my path for whatever reason I don't, we're not together to figure out what's wrong with your body. We're together to figure out what your body is saying to you. Those are two completely different approaches. And some people are ready, you know, some people will come to you because they are in a space and they don't want to feel whatever they're feeling and they want to get rid of it. And that is, you know, that's completely fine. That's a court. If I understand your narrative, then that could make sense for you. However, the work where we would move forward is if you're really trying to hear what your body is um, saying. And I am as interested in what your body is saying as you are interested. And I'm 100% clear that you, your body is the smartest thing in the room about your narrative and your healing process. From your experience, what have you seen as the impact that societal discourses have on individual personal narratives? You know, from my experience, it's something that we can't ignore, right? And it sort of can be something that becomes adopted by the individual's story and narrative because it's just permeated everywhere, you know, into everything. Um, what have you seen in terms of the impact that societal discourses have on your clients when it comes to health, physical health, mental health, all the all the aspects of health? I would say it's it's very heavy because. I ask a lot of questions and the beginning of what I hear is either, you know, what um, an authority figure has said or what Dr. Google or what Dr. Instagram has said. And it's huge because I begin to ask why. And many people have no idea why. So their body is responding and their body is acting in a way that they don't a hundred percent agree with. If they, if they, if we sit here and, we continue to ask the questions, they actually don't agree with whatever the society has turned healing or health or wellness into. Um, Their body is literally trying to um, move into a robotic state and it's not working and they're wondering why it's not working. It's because your body doesn't want to be in a robotic state. So your body is, you know, moving through the earth. It's, it's adapting and integrating to the best of its ability. And then as it's doing that, 
you know, you get something that says, but you're not doing it right. And so you literally try to change your body chemistry. Your body chemistry changes to go into what is deemed right by whatever your authority source is instead of that that level of intuition, which has to be reached before you can, you know, outsource any information. So what what is what do you recommend in terms of how we as individuals can be can begin to become more intuitive about what our body is trying to tell us? The the best way um, that I've seen is to ask questions to yourself before you ask someone else. So when you're you're having something as simple or that can be super complex as a headache. Um, Acknowledge what's going on around you. Acknowledge, does my body want to be here? When your when your heart rate starts to go up, acknowledge, did I just drink coffee and my body's like super excited? Or are there people around that I don't necessarily want to connect with, but I'm forcing myself to be here right now? Whenever you notice even the smallest um, change in vibration with you, ask yourself, where is this coming from? What is what is around me? And do I really want to be here? Am I am I eating something that's really um, great for my body? Or am I not doing that? Am I, is my body telling me I don't want to do this? Ask your body for the answers to the questions that you actually have before outsourcing. That's that's the best way to get into from from my standpoint, especially with beginners. Um, how to get into your your intuition is to ask your body when you notice the slightest thing um, where you feel out of alignment or you feel um, as if something is is standing in the way, ask what's going on around me right now? Is this where I really want to be? Is this really what I want to do? Is this for my highest good? And as you ask those questions, your body actually will respond. And I know that because that's literally all that I do with people. Um, and that's how I am invited in or not invited into their sacred healing process is I ask the questions. So that's the the step that I would say first, ask questions when you start to take notice and let your body respond to you um, and listen clearly. I um, And I've gotten caught up in this myself. I know that sometimes there's like, I leave no space between the stimulus and then the response, right? So let's say the stimulus is I start to feel like pressure in my head, like the beginnings of a migraine or a headache. It's easy to take that stimulus and then to just quickly respond either by like jumping on Dr. Google and like searching, you know, pain, you know, sharp pains in the back of my head and then finding all of these like forums and, you know, and all of a sudden my mind is going into crazy places and I'm suffering with like fear. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes I'll feel the coming on of a headache or a migraine. Um, and then and then the societal discourses will start to creep in, the ones that indicate to me that I need, like, you know, if I choose to rest today, I am weak. Or I am, if I um, ask for help with the kids today, that I am a bad mother, or um, or any you know any of these, and then and now I'm suffering also because I felt the stim- I had the stimulus. There was an emotion connected to it, and I bought into some of these 
ideas. And now I'm just believing because I'm thinking it, it must be true. And so therefore now I believe it, you know, and it's just this like vicious path into suffering. Um, But what I hear you saying is that if we're able to be, if we're able to practice the pause and the mindfulness and the self-compassion to turn towards ourselves and trust our intuition and look around to contextualize sort of what's going on around us and to see what maybe feels out of alignment and um, to listen to our bodies and to that, that there's that, that we can begin to actually reduce the amount of suffering that we, that we end up experiencing in situations like this. Yeah. Yes. I think that we look at the body in one of two ways, and this is all from spiritual to emotional, mental, biochemical, and physical. People either see the body as innately broken that needs fixing, fixing, or the body is innately whole and is expressing itself in one of two ways. Those mm-hmm. two ways of thinking are opposite. Um And how your body, how you think, what the narrative is, is how you respond to the stimulus. Because someone who um, is in the space of, you know, being innately whole and um, getting a migraine, um, we would start to question and say, where's my body trying to lead me to? Or where's my body trying to lead me away from? And in the brokenness, it's more of like, well, what's wrong with me and how can I find a solution to fix it? So I think um, understanding where you believe on that spectrum, it makes it just really makes it clear as to why you respond in certain ways. And neither is right or wrong. Um, it's just on so many levels, there's a huge difference between believing you're whole and believing that things come to you to show you your brokenness. Those are, you know, those are two different paradigms. And I really love the paradigm of wholeness. It's how I believe. I believe your body's always moving to ease. So it's more of questioning how is my body showing up for me right now more than what is wrong with my body and how can we either shut that down or fix it or find someone that's smarter than me about my body to fix it, not to guide me into my own wholeness. What would be your what would be your advice to somebody who is struggling um, or is feeling pain, whether it's you know in, in, in any way of health, physical, mental health, and is wanting to is going to be stepping into the healthcare system, right, in order to maybe receive some support around any pain that they're mm-hmm. feeling. And they want to, you know, they're maybe they're hoping to begin to adopt this this like view of wholeness and wanting to find, you know, support team members that can also hold that paradigm and be interested in their experiences individually and their story um, and take that time. I mean, it's it's hard, Crystal. Like I, you know, I can. I I can advocate for myself because I, you know, I'm aware of some of these things. But even then, I find myself getting caught up in the discourses of the healthcare system as it is right now, um, which 
isn't all bad, but sometimes doesn't really leave a lot of time for the narratives and for the personal experiences um, and for the context around whatever the symptoms are. So what is your what is your advice for, for folks who are trying to step into getting support around healthcare? So because I would have to understand your narrative before I could ever give advice, I'm not one to give advice. However, one thing I can say is as you step, I wouldn't try to adopt a wholeness narrative because it's right. I think that happens all the time where we see something or we hear someone speak and we're like, oh, that I would love to think that way. The truth is you think how you think and you may or may not get into another place where you see someone, you see other people living out their truth and it's like, oh, okay, that truth makes much more sense to me theoretically, but I haven't quite adopted that yet. So that I, that could be that is a piece of advice. Don't adopt another narrative. What I would say as you are, because you're whole, there's no place outside of where you need to be right now, whether you think you need to be fixed or you think there is no fixing, um, where you are is where you should be. So as you move into the healthcare system, before you walk in the door, it is, is really important that you know what you want. Um, whether that is on one side of the spectrum or the other, to verbally say what it is that you want, no matter how society says it's right or wrong. Because um, if you want an aspirin and you don't advocate for yourself to get an aspirin and you get this whole other new paradigm shift, your body wasn't necessarily ready for that. That can be dangerous to you. So to be clear about what you want is most important because when you're clear you will hear what the therapist, what the um, medical doctor, what the chiropractor, what anybody has to say, and either that will align or it won't align. And then you have the power to walk away from that and find someone to match what it is that you actually desire. Just because someone is on, um, I don't know how insurance works because I've never taken it, but somebody's on your insurance thing or somebody has the, the title, yeah. it doesn't really matter that you, it doesn't mean that you need to be in their office and that you need to go forward with their course of action. If what you want is not, if you're on a page and, and, the, and the professional is on another page, it becomes a battle and then it becomes who has the most confidence. Whoever has the most confidence wins. Mm -hmm. And, and what happens is your needs actually aren't met because what you're communicating is what you at a, you believe at a core level. So the best advice that I could ever give anybody before meeting anyone, even meeting me, because I'm going to ask you, what is it that you desire and how is it that this person can show up for you? Because if you don't know that, it is no longer a sacred dance of healing. It is now... Um, um, I'm, there's something wrong with me and I need you to save me out of this. And that, you know, it may or may not fix your symptoms, but when we're talking about healing, um, the integrity of your process, whatever that looks like is not honored. Um, and it's not the doctor's fault. It's not your fault. It's just a lack of communication, which is 
you know, why that's so important to me now. It makes so it makes so much sense. And I know that there's quite a few um, podcast listeners who are actually providers mm-hmm. in different ways. And so I wonder if we could explore a little bit about, you know, because maybe a provider is listening right now and is maybe feeling themselves like, you know, this there's there's alignment with my own values here of wanting to be able to hold that space mm-hmm. for my clients. And maybe that wasn't a part of my training, or maybe it's not something that feels really comfortable. Um, and so, how did you how did you get to this space where you are now, where you are able to? Because I I know for myself even sometimes, especially in the very beginning when I was a a newbie therapist. Um, I would have a client in front of me and I could see that they were in pain and I just wanted to fix it. And that would sometimes jump in the driver's seat and lead to a bunch of problem solving and trying to fix the issue quickly without really taking that pause in the space that needed to happen to really look at the context and um, honor the integrity of that individual person who was in front of me versus just what I read somewhere that could possibly fix this problem. Um, I mean, you know, I, I know that I've gotten trapped in that, especially early on in my career. And so what, what, what did the process look like for you to start to kind of deconstruct some of those ideas of what your role is supposed to be as a provider? So that was a long time. It was definitely a long time. Um, of a long, it was, it doesn't happen in many trainings, honestly, whether we're talking about a six week training and we're talking about a four year doctorate or six year specialty. It doesn't often happen because when you're in school, you're learning everything that you can learn to fix a problem. You, um, even in your case history, you're listening for certain things to, learn what the problem is um, with the person. The The difference is literally a paradigm shift. So if you are looking to, you know, see people as whole and um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the person, but it's leading them into something else, what happens is when you walk into a room with someone, you are very clear about asking them what it is that they need. You, you know, you don't have everything in your, in your head lined up. Like you literally empty out to become a vessel for whatever the next hour, 90 minutes, however long your appointment is, you can hear a person clearly as they're speaking to you, then you're able to listen to what's being said. So when you're listening, now you're integrating it with all the things that you've you've experienced. Now you're, you're integrating it with your truths and with your, your, um, your philosophy. And then what's really big on holding space is only if you are asked or invited in by the body on a specific level, then are you able to offer anything that is, it's, it's not been taught. It's, it's kind of like rocket science, but it's not. Um, you're only taught to offer as soon as someone walks in. You're, you know, you have your intake form. 
you have specific checkboxes because you're you've already like your brain logically can see the checkboxes and that's what this means and because this means that I know how to offer to you whatever um and there's nothing like I said there's nothing wrong with that particular you know paradigm it just it doesn't work for a wholeness based practice simply because there is no space for listening. There's only space for treating or like, let me give you a treatment or let's, let's do this plan of action or whatever it is. The whole goal most times in any, um, in any allopathic space is to meet the person's need in the shortest amount of time. So you can meet the most people, most people's needs within a full day. So the only way to do it is to cut out the hearing and the listening part and move only into the offering part. Um, and, you know, this this is like, you know, often a four hour or six hour workshop. So I never want people to think, well, this is something that you should, you know, adopt in two seconds. You have to understand why you are where you are, what it is that you believe about healing, because without you knowing what you believe about healing, um, there's you're not actually involved in the practice. You know, Mark Demanuel was involved in the practice or the DSM is involved in the practice, but you're not actually involved in the practice. So when somebody tells you what they want and what they believe about healing and you now you're just kind of taking that in. But when you have a real understanding about what you truly believe healing to be, what your role, role is in the healing process, and you've heard clearly from them how it is that you can serve them um, in their space. When you've heard all of those things and you've listened to them, now your offering is very, um, is very much associated with meeting the need, even if that need is only a millimeter from where the person is right now. That is where they are, and that is where their process is. So there are silences. There is um, the things that they speak loudly. There's how their body moves. It's really a whole dance i always call it the sacred dance of healing that has to happen um but only when there's permission on both sides to enter that dance oh no i love i love the visual of a dance i actually i actually i use that metaphor quite a bit when i'm working with families or families or couples when i have more or parent child relationships because it's there is a dance and I love that there's like an attunement in what you just described of both what is being said and not said, um, the visual cues, the body language. And so what I'm hearing is that as a provider, first we have to, we have to do our own work. And, you know, one of the questions that I will ask the students that I teach or the therapists that I'm supervising in the very beginning and check in occasionally um, about this is asking these therapists in training, asking them, like, what is, how do you understand change? How do you understand that problems arise and then how change happens? Because if we don't explore that for ourselves and understand what our own maybe paradigms or worldviews are around these things, then then it's easy to just easily get swept up in whatever the lesson of the week or what the um, the you know the person in power, whether it's the supervisor or a professor, is 
suggesting that you should be doing or something like the DSM. Um, but, oh, you know, so we, we have to know that for ourselves because otherwise we get swept up into the other discourses. But also then because when we come in with our clients, we want to we want to understand that like they're we want we want to be able to be to be open and share with them what it is that how we understand change right um, because if there's not alignment there that's okay sometimes that's a beautiful thing is to discover that you know what I don't think that this is this is the best fit either for the client to be able to come to that themselves and have the agency to advocate for themselves. Or for the provider to, to be able to maybe name some of those things and then use some space to explore that, right? Like with, with the client or with the patient. Um, I've had some of those conversations before and it's led to really, really powerful dialogue with the client. And sometimes it led to us continuing to work with each other in a way that was profound. And sometimes it leads to making a change and um, allowing the client to have some agency around that change. So I don't know if any of what I just said kind of aligns with what you were trying to describe, but that's, that's, that's what I heard. That's how I heard it. It it aligns greatly. Um, And it was something important. You said that, you know, if, if you, and the person in front of you, whether whatever you call them, um, are in alignment. That's amazing. If you're not in alignment, that's amazing too. And I think many times when someone walks into the office, and I'm talking on the practitioner side, uh, we think, okay, well, this is my client. I need to figure out what it is that I can do to, you know, show up for this person. But maybe, just maybe, they cross your path because you know someone. Um, that is better able to meet their needs based on what they want, what their narrative want, what their body believes. And that it doesn't, yes. that's something that, you know, it's, it's especially for newer practitioners or people that are, you know, entrepreneurs. It's like, well, I need all the clients that I can get. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's the truth of the matter, but that's a traumatic space. That's a lack, that's a lack mentality that there's not enough for everyone. And that, you know, that, that is, your problem, not the problem of the person in front of you who clearly wants a two second appointment and you're willing to go in the depth in the depths with them. No, there are people who meet that need and they meet that need in a very quality way. And maybe our paths will cross again, or maybe our paths won't cross again. But you have to look at the person as a human being and really just acknowledge why did our paths meet. Not just because, you know, I'm a therapist and if you came into my office, that means I'm here to offer you therapy. Um, that's not always the case, but it is a, it's a huge shock to the ego that <laughs> that may not be the case. But it may be, you know, you just never know. But you have to be fully present and listening to the person to really understand, you know, the answer to that question. We have to, what I hear is that, what I hear what you're saying is like, just, you have to listen to the person in front of you. And, and they, and I think that the scarcity culture that we sort of live in, like you were saying, especially for those who are in, you know, entrepreneurs and in private practice, it's like, well, no, I just need, I need to take every client that comes my way, right? Instead of being able to take that pause to really ask ourselves and to sit with our clients to explore, are are we in alignment? Or is there 
Um, but what I hear in what you described also that I really appreciate is that there is meaning even in the meeting of, of those two people, even if it doesn't lead to um, a client um, therapist provider relationship that's long term, there's meaning like maybe like the point of them coming to you is that you can point them in a direction in which they can be, they can feel like they are getting, um, you know, the services or the support that they actually need. So, but yeah, I think scarcity culture tends to tell us, no, you need, there's not, there's not enough for everybody. So you need to take everything that comes your way, even if it's not a fit. Yeah. And and you have to understand as a provider that there's nothing wrong with you. These, a lot of this, the reason why the foundational work on you has to work to happen before you move into practice is because if you don't have the foundational work, you will think that there's something wrong with you um, because you didn't match. You will yeah. think that, you know, you're going to be poor because something didn't match. Without the foundational work on yourself, you are inflicting trauma on the other person. You're inflicting guilt on the other person because you're afraid and you're only afraid because you don't know yourself enough to know, no, this isn't working. Yes, this is working. Um that's why I found I think the foundational work um, is important in any type of schooling um, because many people just graduate and they know how to yeah. do, but they have no idea how to be. And so their entire identity shifts as much as trends shift or as their clients will shift them um, instead of the natural evolutionary process of them coming into their own. It's, you know, it's a lot of cords just put out in many different directions to either make the needs, the ends meet or to never be in lack again, or to make sure that you're the, you know, the best savior that there is around. And, you know, the only thing you can truly be is the best you and allow the alignment to shift the universe. It will happen. It sounds esoteric, but there's no point in someone sitting with you when you guys are on two different pages and have two different ideas of what we want the outcome or what we believe the healing outcome to be. Thank you so much, Dr. Crystal Jones. If anybody is listening and really resonating with your work and your story, where can people find you so they can continue to follow your work and your story? So you can connect with me through drcrystaljones.com. Um, that's D-R-C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. J-O-N-E-S.com. And as I was saying earlier, a lot more of my work now is going into these trainings from, you know, yoga teachers to medical doctors and anything in between um, and really teaching about the communication. I am I do take on a few um, private clients who want to do this work on their own, but I, I really have a intention to make it so that this work is happening everywhere at all times. And when you walk into a place, you do feel heard, you feel listened to, and you have the agency over your body to um, accept or not accept certain things. So that's really where my focus is. So if anybody, you know, wants that type of work, I'm open to that. And I'm also taking in a few of the private people who want to really understand what their narrative is and how um, their body is moving towards ease with what's being presented at the moment. And then are you on social media as well? 
Um, all of it's Dr. Crystal Jones, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or um, Instagram is the same, D-R-C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-J-O-N-E-S. You can connect with me through any of those means, and I'd love to connect and just hear and listen to whatever it is that you have to say. <laughs> You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.